there's a couple few things the Lord's been showing me um, about the things of this year. Um, I'd just like to hit and, and then maybe go into something that, that I feel like the Lord's really kind of targeting uh, right now for the church in general. One thing for this coming year, uh, we've got to get back into foolishness. In other words, the foolishness of God. We've gotten too smart for the Lord, too cool, and not enough foolishness. In other words, we've got to be fools for Christ again. He's going to want to start doing things his way instead of our way this year. And he's going to be asking us to do things his way instead of our way this year. And it's actually going to seem foolish. It's not going to dovetail with your life at all. It's going to be completely opposite. Just get ready for that. The foolishness of God is going to be the wisdom of God this year. So the things that you planned is not going to make it. Praise the Lord. That's, the, that's an encouraging word. Let me give you a scripture for it so I can make it religious. I mean, make it the Lord. First Corinthians 3, if you want to turn there with me uh, real quickly, let's just uh, hit this home real quick. Is that all right? I remember when God started speaking to me years ago, uh, it really raked across my carnal mind. Because uh, my carnal mind did not like it. I mean, there were times where I would have plans to pray, and then you'd say, let's go walk. And i go, no, it's time to pray and get in my secret place. He said, well, my secret place is when I'm walking. I said, what about tomorrow? He said, it'll be a different place. I said, well, isn't there always a secret place you've got to be with you? And he said, yeah, wherever I'm going is going to be your secret place. But you see how foolish that is to the carnal mind. Because I, I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised in a Christian home. And uh, man, the move of God was huge. But uh, it got a little bit religious, you know. And my parents thought, you know, you've got to get in your closet, your prayer closet. And so they literally made us get in prayer closets. Seriously. You had to get in your closet in the morning. And you had to pray. And you were up at the crack of dawn. And you had to pray. Because that's the way they saw it. And, you know, that worked for a season. Because sometimes the Lord sees us as like little kids. And they're like, he's, they're like man, look at them. They're going after me. Little religious, but they're still going after me. And uh, I remember getting in my prayer closet. And a lot of times I would fall asleep. I'd hear my dad coming on the old rickety floor, you know. And we lived in this old house, and man, when you heard him, heard him coming, you'd wake up real quick, and he'd open the door, and I'd say, man, the Lord's really speaking. <laughs> and he'd go, praise God, and he'd close the door, and he'd walk off, and I'd go back to sleep. <laughs> but uh, if you're raised in that type of formulation, you know, you kind of have a foundation of the way things should go, Right? I mean, you don't want it, but sometimes you can't help it. It's just the way that we're, you were raised. And man, when the Lord started changing that, because even though I was a kid, that was still in me that I, I mean, your secret place had to be a closet, had to be by yourself, you know. And uh, man, when the Lord started saying, hey, I want, to, I want to walk today. I don't want to pray. Don't kneel. Let's walk. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We're supposed to kneel and pray. You know, I, I tried to tell him what he needed to do. And uh, that's not the way it's going to work. Man's really trying to form God the way they want him instead of the way he wants himself to be dwelled in. You know. God wants to show himself in a mighty way, but it's going to be foolishness. It's going to be foolishness. And if we're, gonna be, if we're really going to walk in the wisdom of God, we've got to walk in the foolishness of God. Say that with me. I've got to walk... In the foolishness of God. I remember the Lord, you know, I was after this thing called apostle. Of course, these days you can throw a nickel out in the crowd and find one, you know. But I, I, I was young and stupid and I started going for it. And I said, Lord, I want to be your apostle. And he threw down these gesture shoes in the spirit. They were green and had a little curl on it with a bell on the tip. 
And I said, what are these? He said, those are my apostle's shoes. Put them on. I said, oh, I don't think I'm going to be an apostle. He said, well, you've got to be a fool for Christ in order to be one. He said, the things that you would do in your life will seem foolish to this world, but it will create foundations of Jesus for my church to be, dwelt, uh, to be built on. So foolishness is actually the wisdom of God this year. Say that with me. Say that to your brain. Foolishness is the wisdom of God this year. Not the old rebellious foolishness. God's wisdom is always foolish to our mind. And let's read here in verse 18, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. What does that do to your brain? Your brain is like, uh, mm, mm. what are you saying? He's basically telling the Corinthian church, hey, you've gotten way too spiritual and you think you've got a lot of revelation of Jesus. You've got to repent and become a fool again. That's what the Corinthian, the Corinthian church got so, you know, all the gifts were working, everything was working, but man, there was major chaos. There was a lot of flesh involved. A lot of them thought they were apostles. A lot of them thought they were prophets. And Paul would always have to come in there and fix things, you know, because their character wouldn't line up with Jesus. Their gift was from Jesus, but their character definitely wasn't lining up with Jesus. And so he has to come in there and say, hey, if any of you guys actually think you're really spiritual, uh, you need to become a fool. Think about today. If you look at the, if you look at the church today, it's, it dovetails and makes everything pleasant to where everybody can come in at 10 o'clock and we've got to leave at 12 and don't leave room for God, but leave room for people. So we don't leave room for God to move. In other words, if God did move, it would be foolish. It would look foolish, and it would cause disruption, and a lot of people wouldn't like it. And we would lose the people. Come on. I mean, I had a friend of ours, you know, just not too long ago. They called him up. He was going to be one of these keynote speakers, and they said, hey, I heard you're a prophet. He goes, well, what do you mean by prophet? No, you're a real prophet. And he said, well, what do you consider a real prophet? Well, he, you, you preach holiness. You can't preach that in this conference because a lot of people won't come. But that's the way of the world right now. Now, that's foolishness. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I've got to preach the holiness of God, because that's where we need to go. We need to get back to walking in holiness with the Lord. And he said, well, you can't come here. And he said, now make sure that you don't ever reach to the top in Christianity. It's like Christian mafia. Serious. It's gotten so, that Christianity's gotten so easy, we're, we've gotten too wise. And really, we're fools. Well, how'd you like to be a fool for Christ and you follow him again? To where you lose yourself. To be a fool for Christ, you definitely have to lose yourself. I'll never forget when I thought I was wise, the Lord told me to blow in someone's nose in, in front of everyone. I was going to lay hands on him like I normally, you know, the Lord, you know, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And, and I, was gonna, I was going throughout the form of it, but... The Lord will do it his way. And he said, no, my hand's going to be laid upon him if you'll blow in his nose. Try that for wisdom. And I went from thinking I was anointed to thought I was in hell. Because my brain kicked out of my conformity and now it's having to humble itself to the will of God instead of my conformity. Conformity makes us comfortable. It keeps us in control. God wants to come and get us out of control. 
where you're scared out of your pants and you don't have a clue what you're, what's about to happen and what he's going to make you do. I'm telling you. He, he, I, I'm just telling you, he's tired of it. Now let me, let me get real with you. He's offended at the way that we've actually presented him. He told me that the other day. He said, I'm offended at the way the church is presenting me. He said, I'm not smoke screens. It's, I'm not a pleasant sound. I am God. That's a whole different deal. And when he said, I am God, I thought, oh my Lord, even the sound's going to be different. Even the sound of God. We're hearing the sounds of men right now, but man, we're about to hear the sounds of God. We've heard sounds of talent instead of sounds of God. You have an instrument, a guy with an instrument that actually loves God, there's a whole different sound. You have a guy that's doing a gig for God and for the people, there's no anointing, there's no presence on it. But anointed worshiper, He's going to be a fool for Christ. And he will move and shift wherever the Spirit wants to move, no matter how it makes him look. Because who cares what you look like as long as God's there? Because if we can get out of the way, our lives can get out of the way, people will see God. But if we're worried about our reputation, what everybody's thinking, we will never have the opportunity for people to be able to see God in our life. And we've got to crush this thing called the fear of man. Who cares what anybody thinks? I told somebody the other day, you okay? I told somebody the other day, this guy called me up and he's, he's a well-known worship guy and he's, he's been doing this thing down in a, a city that's been, it's been an awesome thing. They asked me to go down there and check it out. And, and I warned them two months before, I said, I'm going to tell you that this is the Lord, and it's going to grow, but as it grows, the presence grows, you're going to have the enemy come and offer you wonderful things, kingdoms. Because it'll make you even more hungry for the Lord, and then the enemy's going to come in and say, hey, let's get this thing out. Sign here. And sure enough, the other day, while I was up in Kansas, he called me up and he goes, so-and-so records has, has called us, and they want to put what we're doing down at Bourbon Street on a you know an album and we've got to sign up and I said well you might want to check the notes I just sent you because the Lord wants to keep it about him instead of albums he said I knew you were going to say that he said it's time to allow the Lord to glorify himself in us instead of us trying to glorify him for him. I said, and I, I, I rarely do this. I mean, you ask my wife, but I, I, I mean, I boldly told him, do not sign that record deal. I said, this move of God is for the widow's might. The widow's might will support it. Not the world's money. And what I mean by world is the religious system. I don't, I, this world that we're living in is, is not too bad. But in the religious system world, it's demonic. But God's about to break all that. Because he's going to break us out of ourselves. We're going to be fools for Christ. Because the foolishness of God is wonderful. It's the most awesome thing you could ever live in. Because you no longer get to live. Matter of fact, when God speaks to you in a different way it, and you put, it puts yourself in a panic, it makes you have to think about God instead of yourself. When he told me to blow in someone's nose, all I had, I, at first I, I got scared, I was sweating, and then the only thing I could think about was, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. My whole mind had to focus on what he wanted to do next, lest I actually become a real fool. So I had to just grab a hold of him and say, okay, well, after I blow into him, what do you want me to do next? I'll and he said, I'll tell you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, then I've got to blow in his nose so I can hear the next thing. It made me grab a hold of the spirit and just hold on to him for dear life and cause my mind to be on him instead of me. 
Y'all ever been in love? How perfect is love when you're really in love? Is it like two songs and then, and then love comes? Come on. What does it look like? It doesn't look like anything. It's so sloppy, but yet so wonderful when you see somebody in love. You're thinking, man, that is the most perfect couple. Look at them. They're so, you know, and it's awful looking. Why? Because they're not themselves. What you're really looking at is God. They finally let love control them, and they are actually the image of God, and you're looking at the Lord. That's why you can actually feel that love while you're looking at them. Because they've chosen to lose themselves in this place of love, and now they're transformed into something completely different. And it looks foolishness, looks like foolishness, but aren't we attracted to it? Maybe some of us not. Listen, I would much rather look at someone that's losing their guts up here and worshiping the Lord than someone that's perfect in worshiping the Lord. Wouldn't you? It looks foolish and they're losing themselves, crying all over themselves because they can't really get their life together, but they're doing everything they can just to worship the Lord. And they're breaking apart. And man, that makes me want to cry every time I look at someone do that. Because I'm looking at the Lord. If you look at the Lord even today while he's on the throne, you're going to be looking at a broken man. That's exuding, that's exuding the glory of God. And if there's anything we need is a church that's broken. Not a church that can put it all together and dovetail everything. We need some sporadic, crazy people. Like us. Okay. So let him become a fool that he may uh, let him become a fool that he may be, become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or or the world of life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All are yours. Say that with me. All are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. And I want to throw something out here. Uh, turn over, I'm going to give you this other one. Uh, yeah. 1 Corinthians 2. You might want to write this one down. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But the natural man, that would be us, right? Your carnal mind. What's a natural, what's the first thought of you? Of you? That's a, that you know that's against God with your, the way that you think. Oh, I know mine right off the bat. Mine's laziness. I don't want to do his will. A lot of people say, man, you're just, you know, you focus when you get your, yeah, but they don't realize when I'm focused, I have to actually be so anal focused because I, my mind is warring not to do his will. I hate doing his will. My carnal mind can't stand it. There's no telling me times I've told my wife I wanted to quit. It just doesn't want to do his ways. What's yours? Because everybody knows their sin, I mean their flaw. Just look at it. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. It doesn't want it. Why? Because it's another will working in your life that is not yours. You have to do someone else's will. That's like me telling Fallon, Fallon, you have to do my will from the, for the rest of your life. Can you imagine what, what would she do? She would say, I'm going to jack slap you right now and get this over with. 
You have literally chosen to say to God, I choose to do your will. I choose to follow the will of the Spirit. In other words, I choose to follow another will that I don't even know. And the thing about it is he will not let you know all of the will. That's what really drives us nuts. I'd like to know him all so that I can have total control and then be able to do. And he's like, uh, nope, you just got to sell everything out and follow me. Well, what is follow me? Where are we going? How many of you guys do that? Where are we going? And he doesn't even say anything. Are we going to turn right down here at this stop sign or left? And he doesn't say a word. He waits until you finally come to a stop and you're sitting there waiting. Everybody's honking at you and you're looking like a fool. And then he goes, now you can go straight. <laughs> I thought it was right or left. How would you like to have Google, the GPS, to do you that way? It only shows you just to where you are as you're moving. We would freak slap out. We're so used to having it our way, we would freak slap out. And the woman not say a word until you get to the next thing. And you'd have to do the will of the GPS. That's the way you follow God. It's foolishness. Well, what's your plans for this week? I don't know. Well, what do you... Your five-year plan, I don't know that either. I've got it written down, but I know it's not going to work. <laughs> what do you mean it's not going to work? And then you start feeling this judgment from other people, thinking, oh, man, they don't have it all planned out. Their whole life's not together. Y'all ever feel that? And they, and they start thinking, you're an idiot. Oh, come on. They, and, and then you start getting scared, and you start making up stuff to make it look like you've got things planned just so that you could get by. <laughs> because you don't want to look like a but looking like a fool is Christ looking cool and dovetailing with everybody else and blending in doesn't work with God it doesn't work you've been called to be an alien An alien. Somebody that's not of this world. You were born in this world, but you were called to be not of this world. He even prayed to his father that he keep them in this world, but they not be what? Of it. In other words, don't let their mentality be like the world system. In that, that place, world, he wasn't talking about this world. He was talking about the religious system world. God came, up to came to mess that world up. The rest of the world was okay compared to the religious system. Y'all do realize that. He turned tables over. The only, thing, only people he picked on was his own. Because the religious world had actually corrupted the world. And that's what's happened today. You look at what's happening in the world, it, it's actually reflecting really what goes on behind the closed doors of the religious world. But that's about to change. Because God's going to raise up people that are fool, fools for Christ, just like Jesus was. Jesus was a fool compared to what the religious system was. There were certain things that you had to do in order to get people healed there were certain things you had to do in order to create a sacrifice and here comes jesus <laughs> let's don't do any of it let's just hang out with the lord what are you talking about let me just touch a leper and he'll get healed How, let's try that well that doesn't work well it does now let me do the opposite of what the system says and let's see if it works how about that, Lord? Let's try that. So what do you got planned? Well, spit in somebody's eyes instead of put your hands on them. Okay, let's try that one. Think about it. Think about how crazy it was 
to be somebody that had all of it together, a church that had it all together, had the gifts, had everything going, had the money flowing in, and then all of a sudden here comes a guy that says, we're not going to do it that way anymore, or we're going to do it this way. Kind of reflects David. David gets hungry, all of his mighty men get hungry. He goes into the most holy place, most holy place, where you're supposed to die when you walk in, and he, and he starts to grab all the bread. How'd you like to look at that? He goes into the holy place just before the secret place, and he starts grabbing up all the showbread and starts handing it out to all of his boys. You know what that looked like? The priest probably had a conniption. And he walks out and they go, what are you doing? I can't believe. My boys are hungry. And I know the Lord would want to feed them. But he divinely walked in a shadow of Jesus that the priesthood could walk in and get bread for anybody that was hungry. Anybody. God would not withheld, withhold any bread from anyone that's hungry. All you got to do is walk right up to him and say, I need some bread. That's the way God is for everybody. But how many of us have subconscious minds thinking you've got to go through certain types of stipulations in order to get bread from God? Come on. I've got to pray a lot. I've got to do all. I've got to worship. And then, you know, if I worship, that means, you know, the presence will come and then God will speak. And then, I mean, we all have our formulas, but God goes, why don't you just ask? If you'll ask, I'll give it to you. Just receive it. But your brain goes, no, that's not the way it works. Because the way church has taught us is we've got to do three songs and then the presence comes and then we... I'm serious. Even though church is awesome and we've done it this way, but can you imagine if we just came to church and God just shows up, what would we do then? Three songs is out. And then what the Lord said, I want everybody to pull on your ear. Everybody's right here. Oh, your brains just went... <coughs> No way, Jay, am I pulling on anybody's ear. His thoughts are not our thoughts. At all. His ways are not our ways. At all. If you walk in a certain place of his way, you have gotten maybe 10% of it right. Maybe. But God makes it look like you got it all right. Because we see in part and we hear in part. And man, you, how many of you guys feel, feel like you hit it, man, when the Lord spoke and man, you got it all right. And the Lord rejoices with you and the presence of God comes and you start telling everybody how great you are and how much you've heard the Lord and how much you did. And the Lord just rejoices with you like, let's just praise this idiot and, and make this guy look like he's something. And he makes you look like you're something. And then five years later, you look back and you go, I was an idiot back then. I thought I was actually, I only got 1% right. It's true, isn't it? You don't realize how foolish you were when you thought you were somebody. I did not plan to talk about this at all this morning. But the natural man does not receive, might want to underline that, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? Oh, there you go. They are what? Foolishness. To him for they are foolish the things of the Spirit of God does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually 
discerned. I mean, can you imagine what God's about to do to our brains? Let me say one thing. Did you know God's real? He's not something that we believe in. That's an etherical thing, like he's going to come one day. No, he's here now. Who cares about him coming one day when I have him near? He's living and still walking the earth now within his own body. Yet somehow we're trained to look for him coming in the clouds. That's a systematic way. He's still wanting to walk the same way he walked in the garden, the same way he walked in with uh, Jesus, within Jesus. He walked in man, and he still chooses to walk in man. Now he's walking in all types of men on this earth. But you've got to be, get foolish enough to where you're walking in the spirit that you can start recognizing him when he shows up. And you have to be fools for that. Listen, I'll tell you one incident that happened to me. I went to Bethel, this is way years ago, in Reading. And I walked into the worship center and just before the meeting. They had this little place where you could pray. And as I was walking in, I sat down on this bench. And uh, I had my hands, you know, in my, my face in my hands. And all of a sudden I felt these hands... Uh, touched my feet and I looked up and there was this young man just weeping over my feet and he looked at me and told me my name he says Brad I have been waiting for you so long and my brain went fired off and said this guy doesn't know me guess who it was it was the Lord I looked at him in the flesh and I thought, this guy's kind of lost it. I don't think he's, you know. And then the Lord says, you better be still. This is me talking to you. So I've been waiting for you to get here in the place of my presence. He said, I'm willing to kneel at your feet and wash your feet so that you can get back into my presence. That's what that boy was doing. But that boy was not the boy. He was the Lord. But because my brain is trained the way the world wants to, me to see the Lord, I almost missed it. Because we're trained that the Lord is some long-haired guy that will come one day on a white horse in clouds with a big trumpet. And the Lord was kneeling at my feet and crying over me and wiping his tears on my shoes so I could finally see him. So the Lord did something foolish to get my mind offended so that I could see him again. That's what the Lord would do even when he lived. It wasn't like he liked doing foolishness. He himself was tempted on all points. In other words, I mean, when he chose to grab some mud and cake it on a, a guy's face, we think that he just lovely did that. No. He was tempted just like you are with the fear coming up, wondering if what everybody's going to think, and he just overcame it and did exactly what his father told him to do, and it would manifest. The glory of God would manifest. But yet when he would do something outside the, the way the world says to do it, it would offend the mind to turn the mind back toward the father, and they would be able to see God again. But right now, God's just blended because nobody is a fool anymore. There's no offensive of there's no offending of the mind. I mean, if it looks, if it says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, then there's got to be tons of these guys 
that are going to be offending the natural man. Because the Spirit of God is not just going to appear in the atmosphere. The Spirit of God actually wants to appear Himself in the flesh, which is in your flesh. You and the Spirit, He wants to be one, to where you are Spirit and He is Spirit. And you become the very nature of the Spirit of God. And that's your new life. That's your real life. That's the way it was truly designed. For you to become the Spirit of God on the earth in fleshly form as it was with Jesus. And then everybody will see that God is alive. Because you're not living in that atmosphere of the way things are supposed to be molded. You're offending the brain of the natural man. And it's causing them to have to turn and look. Many will look and some will not see. Many will look and then some will see and follow God. But our job is just to follow Him and to do what the Spirit tells us to do. And the more we follow Him and obey Him, the more we start becoming like Him. Our nature takes on His nature. His nature takes on our nature and we start becoming one just as Jesus was one with the Father. That's why at the end of his life, they said, Lord, it's sufficient for us to see the Father. Show us the Father. And he looks at him. This is Jesus. He looks at him because he, he's been walking with the Spirit so long, now he don't even know himself. He and, he, and, he and the Father are so one because he's purged himself of all these temptations that men go through. And by the end of his life, he doesn't even know who he is. The only thing he knows is he is the Father and the Father is in him. And he looks at him and goes, have I not been with you so long that you don't know me? They're looking at Jesus like, who is this guy? He had followed the Spirit so long in obedience that he had taken on the exact nature. You can't kill him now. They didn't kill him. The enemy did not kill Jesus. Jesus gave up his spirit for us so that we could have it. Nobody ripped him apart except he allowed it to happen so that we could be put back together. He allowed his bones to be totally pulled out of joint so that your bones could be put into joint with his. There was nothing the enemy did that he didn't allow. You talk about power. They tried to do everything to Jesus. You can't kill the Spirit of God. It had become flesh now. It doesn't matter how much you pull it apart. It doesn't matter how much you tear. It doesn't matter how much you mar it. It's still going to raise back up and say, hey, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, could you, you, know, you want to touch my hands? I know they're scarred now. They weren't before, but they're still the same. They're still the same hand. They got a lot of scars on them. I got a big old hole in my side, but I'm still the same Lord. Stick your hand in there. I'll, tell, I'll show it to you. I'm still the same person. I've never changed and I never will change. But that's what he is desiring for us to become. Total foolishness. In other words, total God. On the earth as he is in heaven. The Bible says he was the first fruits of many brethren. <laughs> first fruit. In other words, there's going to be people that, were, that are going to be like him and even more. He said you would even do more than what he did. Greater works. I mean, what's a greater work than Jesus? And I would, I've asked him. What are the greater works? He goes, you're going to love more than I did. I go, there's no way. I've got to understand that. He goes, well, then you walk with me. I'm not going to give it to you right now. You're going to have to walk it out in obedience. Can you imagine loving more than the Lord? You imagine having more patience? I mean, come on, I can barely even go down the Myrtle Beach and I'll sprout a horn, you know. 
with all this traffic, you know. Well, okay. Greater works? That's foolish, isn't it? That's foolishness. There's no way I'm going to be more of the nature of the Lord than he is. But that's what he's wanting you to be. He's wanting to give you more than what he had. That's why he was the first fruits. He's wanting to give you more than even what he had. What he had was 10% of what he's going, he wants to give you. He was the tithe of God. He was 10% just showing the shadows of God. And then we're going to get the 100%. He tithed himself to God. It was 10%. So that you could have the 100 that's why the Spirit of God came. The whole massive Spirit of God comes in Acts 2, fills everybody, and they don't even sound alike. They all start speaking these different languages. Why? They had gotten possessed by the fullness of God, and God was speaking through many people. There was no limits to the mind now. The mind got popped. And they were speaking different languages so that the people that, and that's the strangest thing, the people were visiting Jerusalem and God comes down and everybody's speaking these different languages so all these different cultures can actually understand Jesus. Some of them thought they were drunk with wine because it looked foolish. Let me tell you what we need more than anything. We need the presence of God. Back. I'm tired of being smart. I'm tired of knowing Revelation. I really am. Revelation, uh, that's great. I love Revelations and stuff like that. But there's nothing better than the presence of God. I would trade everything I have that he's even given me just so that I could have more of his presence. That was one of the last things that he told Ezekiel to do to the great army of bones. Prophesy to the breath. In other words, they're all standing on their feet, but you're not an army until you have the presence. The breath. The manifest presence of God. And when you have the presence of God, God goes before you and destroys your enemies. The presence of God was not only in Jesus, but it came upon him. We got him in us, but man, how many of you guys would like to have him on you constantly? Where you're like the ark, the, you know, the ark of God. They pitched it with gold on the outside and they pitched it with gold on the inside. It had become solid gold. That's what God's wanting to do. To pitch himself not only in us, but to pitch himself on the outward. And we'd be carriers of the presence. And we'd be more addicted to his being in his presence than we are leading him. There's nothing like being around somebody that's got the presence of God. Even the Lord said he could do nothing unless what he, what? he saw the Father doing it. In other words, I'm not moving until the presence moves. I'm like Moses. If your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going. That's the same way with Jesus. He would not do anything unless the presence moved. And we've got to have that. Does this make sense? Well, 5 till 12. Wait a minute, I just preached against that. The other one for this year is raw worship. Raw worship will help cleanse you of your shame. Now, I'm not talking about perfect worship, like turn on a Bethel song and let's get it on. 
and so you can dovetail your voice in it. I'm talking, he wants to hear our voice singing to him. Because anytime you open up your mouth to worship him, you and him, one-on-one, it breaks up the fallow ground of your heart in order for it to be a fertile place for him to plant new seed. I'm telling you, Stephen was right on this morning trying to get us out of ourselves. He's trying to break up, the Spirit of God is trying to break up fallow ground. Have you ever been just so satisfied just where, where you are? It's, it, it, it becomes fallow. In other words, you can't sow seed there anymore. It has to be turned over. Fallow ground has to be turned over so it can actually create fertile ground in us. So all the good things that you've had that's been good ground, guess what? You're going to lose it. Praise God. I want to lose it. I want him to turn me. I don't want to stay in one area of my life. Do you? I want him to plow new ground in my heart so that he can sow good seed, new seed, new fertilizations in our life. If you try to keep it, what happens? You'll lose it. But you seek to lose it, man, you'll get everything. You'll find it. So I asked the Lord this year to plow up my fallow ground. I know this has been good ground for my life right now, and I know I've been in a good season, but hey, please. And some of us may be getting plowed right now. How many of you guys are getting plowed right now? Two of us. Okay, get ready. Those that are being plowed right now, you're about to have rain come. You're about to have seed. You're about to have a major revelations. All types of stuff is going to hit your life because he's plowing you and getting you ready for a new era. Well, praise the Lord. Let me read this to you real quick. You okay? And we'll go. Lord's good, isn't he? Look at uh, Jeremiah 4, and we'll end here. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. Do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. In other words, just cut things off that are keeping you from the Lord. Just cut them off. Big string. If, 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 it, if your right hand makes you sin, what does it say? Another, cut it off. If there's some extreme stuff that's happening in your life that's keeping you from the Lord, hey, just cut it off. Be extreme about it. And take away the foreskins of your hearts. For men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come from, forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because the evil, evil of your doings. Evil of your doing. We think of evil as like somebody murdering or something. The worst evil is not doing his will. The worst evil is doing your stuff that actually satisfies you instead of the Lord. That's the worst evil. The worst evil is good, honestly. I was telling her, you know, we were walking around looking at all these, you know, Halloween ghosts and Googles and all that stuff. You know, with all, and you think, man, that's so demonic. That's not even close to demonic. That's so low level. Do y'all know that? The most, that ghost stuff is so demonic. You let me tell you what's really demonic is the good, shiny stuff. That's when it comes demonic. I mean, if there was any type type of temptation that came to Jesus, is when he got hungry. And that second temptation was he, he offered him all these kingdoms because he's hungry. He made it look like there was breakthrough, godly breakthrough for his life. I mean, if you had been hungry and you've had a, having a tough time and then something comes along and man, the enemy just offers you all these wonderful kingdoms, you're going, man, this is breakthrough, hallelujah. And you just take it and then before you, as you take it, to three months down the road after you take it, you're miserable. Okay. It's the good things that are the greatest evil. He wasn't tempted on bad things. He was tempted on good things. Hey, you've got the gift of God. Turn these stones into bread. 
In other words, when you get hungry, you start wanting to use your gift to make your own bread. And it sounds good. You get revelations of who you are and what kind of talent you have and what kind of gifts God's given you. Man, I could do this. I could start this. And man, man, the enemy's right behind it with all types of adrenaline. And you think adrenaline is the presence. And the Lord's like, uh-uh. If God's hungry, I'm going to stay hungry. If God is starving, I'm going to stay starving. If he's not eating, I'm not going to be eating. If he's in a place to where he's dry and he doesn't and he's and he's fasting, I'm gonna fast with him. I'm gonna be one as he is one in heaven. He chose not to break the actual nature of what God was doing in heaven. He only did what he what? God wasn't eating. We gotta know our Lord. And he wants to break up our fallow ground. And I'm telling you, raw worship will break up your fallow ground. Let him hear your voice again without someone, without a, without a radio playing or without a, without a song you put on. Let him hear your voice. I guarantee you, first thing your mind goes is go, ugh, I have no sound. The only sound he, listen, you've got every sound that would please God. It doesn't matter you have to be on tune. He just wants to hear his sons and daughters' voices. That's it. And your heart will go, wow, this is foolishness. And all of a sudden it just breaks open. And then the presence of God comes back and you get addicted again. Does this make sense? Let me pray for us. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your, your son, sending your son and breaking him open so that we could have the fullness of who you are. Lord, we love you so much. You have healing in your hands. You have love in your eyes. You even have a sword in your mouth that can cut away anything that's tormenting man. Just one voice, one statement from your tongue annihilates the enemy. Lord, we want to hear more of your tongue instead of ours. We want to be addicted to your voice instead of our opinion. We want to know your ways instead of our ways. And Lord, there's some in here that want to break up their fallow ground. They want a new season with you. And Lord, I, I pray right now that you would just put a tenacity, tenacity of foolishness for God in their heart to go after you in a brand new way. And that you would break up their fallow ground and, and sow new seed into their life. I pray for anybody that needs healing right now in this room. I prophesy to your body, be healed. I say to your bones, listen to the Spirit of God. You were trained and you were made to listen to God. Not cancer, not struggle, not iniquities, not sickness or infirmity. You were not trained to listen to that voice. You were trained to listen to the Spirit of God. And I prophesy to every bone, every body, every vessel, every blood in this room, rise up and take your place with God. And every sickness and every disease, every iniquity, every spirit of infirmity, walk out of this building. Get out of their temple and walk out of this building right now. Every fear that has caused you to focus on yourself, I cast you out right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask where the spirit of fear stood in their path that you would replace it with the spirit of God the holiness, the Holy Ghost, 
the real ghost that brings about freedom. I even prophesy, Lord, this year, even during Halloween, that you would replace the ghost with the Holy Ghost. Let your people see you again. Make us fools for Christ again. And let us follow you. I pray that for every child, Lord, that where parents have had children that are either rebellious or scared at night, Lord, I ask for supernatural peace, the Prince, Prince of Peace to walk in their house and touch the head of their child right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Before y'all check out, Brad, hold on a second. I just, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because absence makes the heart grow fonder or what. Uh, and I want to say this, and I mean it. There's a gift right here in this church right now that just spoke today. And uh, the gift is the ability to hear the Lord, speak what you heard, and be able to do it in a way that love still changes us. And uh, your voice, I feel like you've been trying to hide because you feel like you just need to get away. But that's what Jesus tried to do, but the ministry got bigger. Now, you don't want to hear that. But the more you try and hide, the more you're going to be found. It's because your heart's right. You're not trying to make a name for yourself, and you never have. I believe that even what you said today was about heart just as much. He's trying to awaken our hearts and stop trying to run our lives through this mind of ours. And, as you're, and I just want to read this scripture over you and, and everybody in here. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your straight in your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And this whole service, this whole morning, even when Stephen started what he did, I'm going to give us an opportunity right now as a pastor to two things. First of all, I want you to know I'm in total agreement with what was said today. And we need people in our lives who can offend our minds to expose our hearts. And this guy right here has done it I don't know how many times to me to the point where I'd almost be like wanting to go see him, but I was like, I don't know if I feel like hugging a cactus today. Hugging a cactus. <laughs> yeah. But inside a cactus is what? The life. Right? It's because it wasn't, he wasn't prickly, he was love. But when love comes in, it offends our minds so much, we don't want to draw near it. We want to run from it. It was no different when Adam was in, in, and Eve were found out naked in the garden. They ran from the voice of God. I don't want to run. And this is a gift. What you heard today was a gift. Let him offend our minds today. And I don't know, but I was sitting on the edge of that chair. I was like, thank you, God, for Brad McClendon. I just want to thank you. Thank you that his voice is a voice that brings deliverance to people that have been walking in a lie for too long. And when people get free from their lies and their past disappointments, they finally start coming into who they really are. Thank you. And with that thank you, I want you to give an opportunity to if you want, we're going to put a basket up here. We don't, Brad and Susan do not ask for money. They do not, they're not paid staff. Even if you didn't, even if you got offended today and couldn't even agree with the message, what a great opportunity. And come up here and put something in that basket and say, thank you for Living Vine Ministries. Thank you for Brad McClendon. Thank you for what you've done. And there's only so many ways we can say thank you to man. Because we know it's about God. Amen. And, and if you want to stay up here for a minute, when you do sow a seed, and you feel like you need to just, there's presence up here so strong right now, it's the deliverance kind of presence. It's like you come back into your right mind kind of deliverance. And if you want to hang out up here for a minute, no music needed, and you want to stand up here for a moment, feel free to do that before we leave. Okay, guys? Thank you. We love you guys. And we will see you next week if we don't see you sooner. All right. Thanks, Brad.